Rainville Vineyard. I am so excited that I get to be your server for the day. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know me, my name is Lonette Beatty. I grew up in Youngstown, Ohio. My daddy is here. Woo -woo. <laughs> All the way from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, so a funny little story about my name. So my dad's name is Lonnie. My, mother name, my mother's name is Paulette. And so, you know, you get half of Lonnie and half of Paulette. You smush them together, you get Lonette. So that's a funny little fact about me. I'm, I'm really excited. So I want to tell you all a little bit about um, where we're going this morning. So I'll give you a little bit of a flight itinerary, and then we'll take off. How about that? All right. So I grew up in a black church where there's a little bit of call and response, a little bit of talk to your neighbor. So if you're not sitting next to a neighbor, you're going to need to find one. And we're going to do a little bit of call and response, okay? So if I say amen, you say amen. Ready? Amen? Bill, you got to try this. All right, let's try it again. Amen? Amen? All right. So if you get excited or the Holy Spirit leads you and um, you just want to shout at the server, let her know the food is good, you say? Amen. All right, that sounds good. All right, so um, we are going to be looking at Matthew chapter 14 this morning, but our cross-reference is going to be in John chapter 6, Okay. So I'm going to read this scripture to you from Matthew chapter 14. It's not going to be on the screen because I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation. So hopefully you'll really enjoy it. Just a few short verses. I'm going to read that and then we'll pray together over our food. All right? Okay. Matthew chapter 14, verse number 15 says, Later that afternoon, the disciples came to Jesus and said, It's going to be dark soon and the people are hungry, but there's nothing to eat here in this desolate place. You should send the crowds away to the nearby villages to buy, some, to buy themselves some food. They don't have to leave, Jesus responded. You can give them something to eat. Now, can you imagine the looks on the disciples' faces when Jesus looks at them and says, you give them something to eat? They answered, but all we have is five barley loaves and two fish. Let me have them, Jesus says. Then he had everyone sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and he looked up into heaven, and he gave thanks to God. John says he blesses them, and he broke them into pieces. He then gave it to his disciples, who in turn gave it to the crowds. And everyone ate until they were satisfied. Say, satisfied. For the food was multiplied in front of their eyes, and they picked up the leftovers and filled 12 baskets more than enough. There were about 5,000 men who were fed, in addition to the women and children. Let's pray. Daddy God, thank you. Thank you for the manna from heaven. Thank you for Jesus. And as we eat at your table today, we just pray that you would bless our hearts to receive what you have to say. Thank you that you always have enough for us. And Lord, you told me if I opened my mouth, you'd fill it. So when you're done filling it, make me shut up. Amen. All right. So one of the things I love about this scripture that we read, there's a few things I love, but one of the first things I love is that Jesus, when he saw the problem, already knew there was a solution. In John, when you read the same story in John chapter 6, the interesting thing is that Philip goes to Jesus, and Jesus looks at Philip and says, Hey, Philip. What are we going to do about all these people? 
But in John, it says Jesus already knew this. He did it to test Philip's faith. There are some things that we go through Jesus is doing to build your faith, to say, hey, where are you on this? There's a, a preacher that I love to listen to. His name is Graham Cook. Has anybody ever heard of Graham Cook? If you haven't, you've got to hear him because he's amazing. But one of the things that he talks about, he says that with every test, with every problem, there is a promise attached. Jesus is never going to have you go through something, never going to give you a problem or make you see a problem that he hasn't already had a provision and a promise attached for you. Okay? So that's the first thing we've got to see. Yes, there might be a really big problem in front of you, but Jesus is right there. He's asking you questions to put his finger on something in your heart that he ha is fully intended to adjust and to heal. The other thing that I notice is that before Jesus breaks the bread, he blesses it. So in John, again, like I said, we're going to go back and forth between Matthew and John. Jesus has a little boy come up to him with his little lunch, and all he does is give the disciples and Jesus what he has. Are you giving Jesus what you have? doesn't seem like a lot, but he will take what you give him, and he will bless it, and then he will break it. And there is where the miracle happens. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be what you have. That part, the blessing and the breaking part, is what we're going to talk about today. So the Bible says that Jesus is the bread of heaven. Jesus calls himself the bread of heaven. Later in that same chapter, he talks about how he's the man. He is the manna that came down from heaven. He is the bread. How many of you know that Jesus' body was broken for us? Amen? Look at, look at y'all. Make me feel like I'm at home in Youngstown. I'm impressed. His body was sent from heaven to be broken. His blood spilled out as a sacrifice for us so that we could live eternally connected to God. How many of y'all know that's good news? All right, that's good news. So here's the deal. We are called then the body of Christ. They don't tell you this when you first come down to the altar to be saved, but if you say yes to Jesus, you become a part of his body. But his body is broken. And so we're going to go through things in our lives that break us. And they threaten us in the sense that they make you wonder, what is going on with my life? Is Jesus present in the middle of this? How do I move my way through this? It could be sickness. It could be the death or the illness of a parent or a child. It could be divorce or separation. It could be any number of things. But, friends, if you follow Jesus, he says, pick up your cross and follow me. That cross is heavy. But you're not doing it by yourself. You don't have to face your brokenness alone because he's there with you. You see, as we allow him to be revealed to us in the brokenness, that is where the miracle happens. He blessed the bread. He broke the bread. How many of y'all know that when something breaks, what's inside comes out? Right? 
I love it. Y'all are doing a fantastic job. I love teasing you, so I'm going to keep teasing you. Is that okay? All right. <laughs> I love it. All right. So what's inside comes out. But it is a beautiful picture, and it reveals to you the truth of who Jesus is. Right? So if you're never sick, how do you know that he's a healer? We don't. That's right. It's, it's one thing to have somebody tell you that Jesus is a healer, but it's something completely different to have him heal you. It's something for, for you to know that Jesus is the resurrection, but when you see somebody raised up from the dead, how many of you really know then that he is the resurrection? Right? When your heart has been broken into a million pieces, and you watch Jesus come and stand next to you and scoop up those pieces, breathe the breath of life, and they become whole. How many of you know then that he's the lover of your soul? So if your heart has been broken, and if you yourself feel like you have been broken, you are in good company. Not only because he is the healer and he is the way maker and he is the provision, but because he knows what it's like to go without. He knows what it's like to be broken. If you've lost a child, he knows what it's like. The father knows what it's like to lose a child because he watched his son be crucified on the cross. If your heart's broken, he knows what it's like to have a broken heart. You see, Jesus has a bride. Amen? The Bible says that the, that the church is the bride of Christ. And so if you've experienced trouble in a marriage, Jesus knows what that's like. He too knows what it's like to struggle and to groan. And so he gives us the Holy Spirit to make groanings and intercessions for us in the brokenness. Because he knows what it's like to need comfort and to need intercession. I feel like there's something really weird going on with this thing. Okay. All right. One of the scriptures that I read um, the last couple of weeks as I've been praying and preparing is in Jeremiah chapter 18. And that scripture talks about Jeremiah goes to the potter's house and he's watching what's happening on the potter's wheel. And the vessel that is being formed breaks in the hand of the potter. Even when you're broken, you're still in the hand of the potter. So what that potter does in Jeremiah, and God uses it as an illustration for Jeremiah, he says, the vessel that was being made was marred or broken in the potter's hand, and God remakes it into whatever he chooses. Friends, when you're broken, you're not, you don't have to go from plan A to plan B. God doesn't have a plan B. You go from plan A to plan A, right? We make adjustments. He might even crush that thing and remake it into what he wants. But the good news is, is that you're in the hand of the potter. What better place to be when you're broken? Because he knows exactly what he's doing. Amen? Job 2.10 says, Will we receive good from God, but not also receive bad? And in all this, Job didn't sin with his lips. If you've been blessed, chances are there was, is, or is going to be a breaking involved. We are filled to be empty and filled again. 
We don't always have a choice in the breaking, the when and the where of it, but we do have a choice in the surrender. See, whether or not you know Jesus, if you know him, there's a crushing and a breaking. If you don't know him, there is still a crushing and a breaking. Because life happens to us all. We live in a fallen world. But when you know him and you know his heart toward you, you can surrender in the brokenness and know that you are safely held in his hand. It doesn't always feel that way, but you're safe because his heart toward you is good. The thing that we run into often as believers is that we've accepted Jesus and we go to church, but we don't know the heart of the Father, so we can't trust his heart in the breaking. And so we end up not fully surrendering in the brokenness, and then we can't receive healing because we're angry with him. And we take offense toward what he's doing in our lives. Been there, done that. And then the Holy Spirit comes and he presses on that issue. And he lets you know, hey, baby, listen, you're mad at me. And it's okay to be mad at me. But come on, let's reason together. Let me sit with you in that pain. Let me talk to you about where I was when that bad thing happened. So that you can learn to trust me. Because what happens then is after we've surrendered to the brokenness, after that bread has surrendered to being broken, what's inside will come out. That is why healing is so very important. You heal through the process. You heal by being in community with other believers. You heal sometimes by therapy. You heal sometimes by inner healing, a time of inner healing and prayer with other believers so they can walk you through. But when you're broken, what is inside comes out, and sometimes that needs to be, always, that needs to be healed. Amen? I see you nodding. This is good. There are some times in that brokenness and in that time of healing that your chains will be tested. T.D. Jake says, you cannot say that you are a prisoner of the gospel until you've tried your chains to see if you can get away. There have been times in my life over the past five years where I have told Jesus, I am through with you. I'm through with this whole deal. This whole preach the gospel thing, this whole teach thing, I'm done. This whole go to church thing, I'm, I'm done with that too. Because the brokenness hurts and you test your chains and you try to get away. But there's a song that says the gospel constrains me. See, you get wrapped in the love and peace of the Holy Spirit. When, when my babies were little, a couple of them, not all of them. They like to be swaddled. Because when, you, when they used to get upset, they'd be flailing all over the place. And when I swaddled them, they felt brought in. They felt a little bit tighter. It reminded them of being in my belly, right? Sometimes the gospel has got to swaddle you so that he can, he can, God can remind you that there is good news. Yes, this is hard. Yes, you don't like it. Yes, you've been rejected. Yes, this happened to you when you were little. But there is good news. So we acknowledge the pain of it. We submit to the pain of it. But in that, we also submit and make way for a miracle. 
if the bread had not been broken, there would be no miracle. See, we get, amen, we get broken together. Look at the person next to you. You're not the only person that's broken. You're not the only one that's broken. You're not the only person that's in pain. See, I get broken, and then Jesus takes my pieces, and he puts it next to Billy's pieces. And then my pieces get put next to Anna and Kevin's pieces. And through that vineyard family, we feed the multitude. It's not your brokenness. It's not for you. Yes, God intends for there to be a healing in you. Yes, he intends for generational curses to be broken in you. Yes, he, come on, can I get an amen? Yes, he plans for you to go through what you're going through because he wants to show you who he is. He wants you to trust his heart. But as that happens, as you begin to grow, as you begin to heal, this is all happening in community, not in isolation. Let me tell you something. If you've been hurt by the church, if you've been hurt in community, you cannot heal in isolation. You have to be brought back together into the community of believers, into the church, back into the body. Who gets hurt and cuts off their arm and sets it over there and says, now you heal by yourself? Right? We need each other. Our broken pieces come together. And then from those stories, that's where the miracle happens. That's where the miracle happens. You're blessed. You're broken. And then he distributes. In the middle of your story, in the middle of my story, while my story is still being written, God says, take the pieces out. So what little piece I have, I give to you today. Hope that Jesus is still in the miracle working business. Amen? Amen. There's this awesome scripture, it's in Isaiah 40, 45, 3. And it says, I will give you hidden treasure from dark concealed places and wealth from secret sites so that you recognize me. For it is I, Yahweh, the God of Israel, who calls you by name. How many of y'all have ever felt like you were in the dark with God, without God, just in the dark? Sometimes people make it sound like, well, you know, once you come to Jesus, it's smooth sailing from here. No, sometimes you come to Jesus and he lets you go out into the water where it's real choppy. And then he says, come on out the boat. He's either going to teach you how to swim or you're going to drown. Good thing he's the resurrection. Right? And on top of all of that, it's dark where you are. But here's the thing. There's a promise in there somewhere. There's a treasure in there somewhere. So what we do is in the middle of the turmoil, in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the breaking, we ask God, what do you want here? What is it about your heart that you want to show me? What is it that you want to reveal to me about yourself? That's the treasure. That's the treasure. The treasure is not at the end when everything is okay, because it might not be okay at the end. Your worst, not my, your worst nightmare might just come true. Hello, somebody. 
the miracle and the treasure is what you learn about Jesus while you're on the ship, while you're in the storm, while you're being broken. That's the beauty, the beauty of it. One more quick reference, maybe two. One of the stories that I love is about Mary, how she broke the alabaster box before Jesus. Everybody wants to talk about that moment where she anoints him, and he talks about how what she does is going to be remembered. If you read the chapter before that, her brother died, and she fully expected Jesus to be there to heal him because Lazarus was his best friend, and Jesus didn't show up. Nobody talks about the disappointment when she's pouring out the alabaster box. Nobody talks about how angry she was at Jesus, how hurt she was with Jesus when he didn't show up when she thought he was. But it was because of that experience with her brother Lazarus, that disappointment, that she was able to bring the alabaster box later and break it out and pour out the sweetest worship because she had been to the grave and back with Jesus. Because he wept with her. He wept with her at the grave of her brother. And then she saw the, the miraculous happen. That is good news. So, as we are going through this and we're experiencing these things, I want you to know one of the first things that you can do is to make sure your eyes are fixed on Jesus. As we're going through the blessing, as we're going through the breaking, to make sure that we don't end up bitter instead of better, we fix our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. And then it says in the middle, but for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. So to help us in this process, we fix our eyes on Jesus. You feel the pain, though. Fixing your eyes on Jesus doesn't make the pain go away. When, we were, when I was in labor with the girls, I was taught to have a focal point, right? You, you, you look at that thing, you hold on to it, you take your deep breaths, you pant, you do whatever you have to do, but you don't lose sight of the focal point. And the focal point doesn't make the pain go away but it gives you something to focus your energy on until the pain passes so that you can ride that wave, right? So you be fully present in the pain and you don't escape it, but you endure it while you have your eyes fixed on Jesus. The Bible also says that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. So you take a seat even though you're in the pain, but when you sit down, you're seated next to Jesus in heavenly places and you get a little bit of perspective. That's when you ask him about that promise that he has for you in the pain. That's when you ask him, what's the treasure that I'm supposed to have here, God? And then, last point, you use that promise as your weapon. Because, see, the enemy doesn't play it fair. He knows you're broken. He knows you're at a weak point, and he's coming for you. He's going to say, you don't believe God. God's not coming for you. He's not going to rescue you. You're going to always live with this thing. You're going to have to deal with it for the rest of your life. You're never going to be whole. You're never going to be healed. You're always going to struggle with this sin. You're always going to do this. It's always going to be hurtful. You're always going to have this same pain over and over and over again. 
So you take that promise that Jesus gives you while you're seated next to him in heavenly places, and you use that weapon to beat the tar out of the enemy. Amen? All right. And so this is what I want to encourage you with. If you don't have a promise for that specific thing that you've got going on in your heart right now, if you don't have a promise, if you don't have a word of Jesus over that issue, I want to encourage you when we have ministry time later, while, while the music is going, I want to encourage you to talk to God about that. It could be just one word. It could be sand. It could be hope. Whatever it is, it could be a scripture. But you take that scripture and you hold on to it for dear life. And that is the thing that you use. Um, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.18, Use your prophecies as weapons as you wage spiritual warfare by faith and with a clean conscience. Those promises from God that he's spoken to you, those promises that he's given you in, your, in his word are weapons for you during your brokenness. So that as he begins to fulfill his promise to you, as he gets ready to send you out with your message of hope that will help someone else, you've got to be armored up, friends. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your word to us today. Thank you for the manna from heaven. God, I pray that um, my friends who might be sitting here, who might be going through a hard time, God, I pray that there's something that they can hold on to. Father, I pray that you would give them a word, a picture, a scripture that they can hold on to. Father, I pray that the enemy would be silenced today, that they would be able to hear your hope, Jesus, your word says that for the joy that was set before you, you were able to endure the cross. So I pray for a glimpse of joy for my friends today that they can hold on to while they endure. Thank you for the miracle that you've promised that will come from our brokenness. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, let's stand together. Um, like Lynette said, we just finish each service with a thing called ministry time. The band's going to come up. And ministry time, there's nothing, nothing weird about it. It's just uh, your opportunity to respond to Jesus. It's just this time when we, um, we welcome the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Uh, if you are sick in your body or you need prayer for any other issue, we have our prayer team down here. We're ready to pray with you over that issue. But we're just going to welcome the presence of God. If anybody in our team feels we have a word to share, we'll share that. Uh, then we'll wait a little while. Don't let that silence intimidate you or anything like that. Let that be a moment where the Holy Spirit just draws near to you and speaks to you. You know, we have very hectic lives. Uh, we're so busy all the time. We don't actually stop and listen to the still small voice of God. And, and so this is your opportunity to do that. Um, maybe he's going to come encourage you. Maybe he's going to convict you. It doesn't matter. Just as long as he draws near to you, that's important because he wants to build you up to be all that he has created you to be. So, Holy Spirit, would you, would you come and make yourself real right now? Come and speak to each one of us.